0: Hello listeners, welcome to the Medrich Podcast by Medrich Knowledge Sharing Forum, top-notch talk with healthcare experts. I'm your host Roshna, let me give you a quick insight about what is Medrich Knowledge Sharing Forum. We are the only forum to focus on healthcare management knowledge sharing. Our forum helps you to connect with healthcare industry experts. Medrich Knowledge Sharing Forum is the right place to share best practices, interesting queries and articles respect to the healthcare field. to share and seek in all the fields of healthcare industry join with us today visit knowledge.medrish.in. today to join with us we have mr kosal raman he is a founder and principal architect of infrabees he has more than 25 years of experience and he had worked worldwide and asia's leading healthcare groups in india hi mr kosal raman welcome to the Medrish podcast
1: Thank you, Roshina. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. I thank Medridge uh, for having me on this podcast.
0: Pleasure, sir. So I have given a gist about you. Can you elaborate the same for us, starting off with your self-introduction?
1: Yes. Thank you, Roshina. Um, as, as Roshina said, my, I'm, I'm architect Khusul Ghan here with about 25 years of experience, uh, both international as well as in India. Uh, I'm the principal architect and founder of Iqrami, and we are based out of Chennai. We offer services in comprehensive architectural design as well as project management. Our focus is on, with more on healthcare, healthcare infrastructure. And, uh, uh, I have a, a bachelor's degree in architecture from National Institute of Technology in Fiji, as well as a master's from the University of Oklahoma in USA. In addition to that, I have a, a license to practice in India, as well as a license to practice in the United States, and I'm part of the member of the American Institute of Architects, as well as Council of Architecture in India. And in addition, I am a lead certified professional to design green buildings. And out of personal interest, I've have also have uh, taken a degree in, in law. So I'm, I have an LLB degree also. Oh, so my experience, work experience in the past 25 years range in countries in the United States, UK, China, Africa, Middle East, of course, are India too.
0: Great, sir. That's really great to hear. Uh, it says you have how many experience you hold in your field. Moving on to the podcast question. What is the importance of hospital infrastructure? Can you share about some of its importance?
1: Sure, uh, one of the most important aspects of hospital infrastructure is basically patient safety, which is that most important. Apart from the patient safety, what I consider is important is the clinical outcome. So, the hospital the infrastructure directly relates to the clinical outcomes. And this infrastructure of the hospital also helps in patient recovery faster. So, this is also a key uh, driver uh, for designing quality hospital infrastructure. Apart from that, whoever is the promoter or the doctor who is building the infrastructure will to look at the operation. So, the hospital quality hospital infrastructure helps in cost-effective and efficiently running the operation of a hospital. So, having said that, it is very, very important that we have to give enough importance and due diligence whenever... A promoter or a doctor is designing a hospital infrastructure, whether it's a green field or a brown field, whatever it is. So, these are the key important features that I would look at in a hospital.
0: So, continuity with the second question, as you told, the key considerations. Um, can you elaborate a little more on that? What are the key considerations for architects when building a hospital?
1: This is a very good question. As an architect with about 23 years of experience, uh, has helped me. With the following guidelines that I use uh, as a key consideration. First one is the site. The site is very important to the architect. You know, whenever a doctor or promoter comes to uh, an architect uh, and they ask, say that they want to build a hospital, the first thing I would ask them is, you know, where is the site? What type of a site? We really, as architects, you know, we want to see the site first. You know, we want to see uh, all the key salient features that the site has. And what we look at is, you know, we look at the approach road whether the approach road is wide enough and also you know what are the surroundings around this hospital You know, is there any uh, uh, issues that the site has or any positive points that the site has or advantages the site has that could help in the future expansion of the hospital which has to be taken into consideration one of the key things is hospital expands over a period of time maybe five years 10 years 15 years the hospital keeps expanding and, and the and the usual Requirement changes, the departmental changes, you know, new requirement comes in. So, we should have a flexible uh, program for the site. So, I would look at the site first to make sure everything is right. And the site also has to have uh, uh, the law which permits or the building bylaw which permits that the hospital should be built on the site. It's very, very important. You can't build a hospital on an agricultural land. It has to be built on an institutional or a public land use allotted to that site. So very, very important. So number two, I would look at the National Building Code. The latest National Building Code is 2016, which talks about specifically on hospitals. There are a lot of good points that you know, you need to take care of that. And also the local bylaws. The National Building Code governs throughout the country, and the local bylaws of the state, because the building bylaws are a state subject too. So they look at the state uh, bylaws uh, also, so we need to look at that. Apart from that, the other key consideration is NABS guidelines. You know, NABS has a list of guidelines specific to healthcare infrastructure. So, if you follow the National Building Board of 2016, which you automatically qualify and satisfy all the NABS requirements. And, and finally, uh, the most important key consideration, which I feel as an architect, is the promoter's vision. So, what is this vision and vision? For the next three years, or five years, ten, or fifteen, or twenty years. So that really helps me out uh, to design a building uh, in taking the consideration, the future expansion, the phasing, the funding, and and of course, you know, new promoters would join, the business model would change, the the departments would change over a period of years, and uh, so all these things are taken into consideration. Now, these are the key consideration I would have when when building a hospital.
0: It was very crystal clear, so what you have told, uh, the side thing, the NABH consideration, the land code and the promoter's vision mission, it's really great. So uh, moving on to the next question, you are a well-experienced professional who has worked in different countries and projects. What differences you do you witness between Indian hospital infrastructure and other countries?
1: So this is another interesting question. So, one of the main difference uh, I experience working in various countries, in India, is the per bed ratio. Per bed ratio. So how much do you give? What's the ratio? For example, the Clinical Establishment Acts uh, in India roughly says about you know for a primary care is about 350 square foot per bed for secondary uh, facility secondary care facility is about 450, tertiary care is about 550 uh, square foot per bed. Whereas in in, in US, uh, for example, uh, the ratio of US or in the Middle East is pretty high. You know, it could go up to like 1000 square foot per bed or 1200 square foot per bed. So that's a a kind of a spatial uh, requirement that they have when it comes to, uh, you know, infrastructure uh, uh, designing. So this is one. Carpet ratio is one of the biggest differentiators between international uh, projects, hospitals, in comparison to India. Maybe the Indian real estate is so expensive that you know we may not be able to keep that kind uh, of uh, ratio. And also, uh, if you look at it, most the hospitals are in, are in the cities in India, whereas in in, in, in foreign countries, away from the cities, where people have the cars, the transportation easily available to drive to those places, hence they can have a higher population. The other one is the quality and quantity of spaces. So the quality of spaces, you know, a lot of uh, time and money is spent in the quality and the quantity of spaces that of Indian hospital structures that's there in in the foreign country. Whereas in India, we may not be able to spend that much because as I said, the realistic Go high uh, and of course, whoever is investing in trying to build a hospital will try to maximize with whatever real estate they have. Then, another reason I would I see a difference is the ownership side. Whereas, internationally, there are larger health systems which has uh, which pulls in a lot of money uh, for funding and then uh, build the hospital. Whereas, in India, it's more many of them are doctor driven single doctor, good practice. Driven uh, ownership type where each of them are bringing their own funding to build a hospital, so which cost them yearly. And they are trying to maximize whatever uh, they have with and whether the size of land or the infrastructure, whatever they have, they're to maximize that. So, hence the room sizes, the quality, and the quantity are not on par with the international uh, infrastructure. So, having said that, that, the other difference I see is user group review so the user group review is implemented what they have is many of the health systems have uh, uh, a group of people within their system or within their company that they uh, give comments on the design to improve it further basically they are the user group they are the users and they are giving their feedback their example is going to be for example it could be a facilities management team or the nursing team or the hr team or the doctors team so Whereas in India, we have, the, let's say it's a, it's a Dr. Driven, he's going to be doing the all in all. So he's going to be the 360 degree person. He's going to give the feedback on the infrastructure. So that's going to be a one challenge. So that's one. Uh, and also the operation team is very, very strong in the international market or any big health system. We also have similar health system in India, whether a separation, separate operation team with help assist with the architects and tell them how they operate. Each system works differently. For example, Apollo as a, as, as a group works differently. Manipal Hospital group works differently. Columbia Asia works differently. So each of them have their own operation team. It gives the common and that really changes the dynamics of uh, infrastructure.
0: So the quantity and quality concept and the group reviewing has been a big difference that you say here. Yes, correct. So, apart from all this, um, what is the role of technology in the hospital infrastructure? I mean, apart yes. from the math, how the technology is ruling the infrastructure? Yeah.
1: So, the, the, the key word right now is digital healthcare. So, uh, so digital healthcare is, is, is very popular these days. And of course, with, with the uh, Corona pandemic, uh, COVID pandemic, uh, digital healthcare is, 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 is the next Financially growing in a very big way, and uh, this is going to be the major, uh, you know, critical factor that's going to help in uh, designing hospital infrastructure. Uh, it's going to be touch free, I'm sure, in most of the cases, uh, as we can see. And uh, we are also uh, coming across this artificial intelligence uh, and the Internet of Things, IOT that's what they call it, as IOT, medical uh, Internet of Things. Which helps in you know uh, improving the quality of the hospital infrastructure. For example, facial recognition. You know, for example, you're taking attendance uh, for the staff coming through. Instead of a touch, you know, you become a touch-free. Same thing with the doors too. So there is a lot of things that's going touch-free. For example, the door automatically opens once they recognize your face. Any security door, and uh, same thing happens with the lights too. You know, if you're not there, if you're not occupied. Automatically, you don't have to go and use your fingers to turn on or off a switch. And this pandemic has created such that, you know, you can be a touch-free also. So, and also we have uh, technology which is existing like, you know, RFID technology. And also we also have integrated building management systems called IBMS, where the entire hospital can be managed remotely with the touch of a button or with a smartphone. So the entire operation can be taken care of. One of the key things that is coming out of this pandemic is a building of op- automation actually. So this building automation concept is quite popular in the residential sector, and, and it's not popular in healthcare, but it's fast catching up. So the building automation helps uh, in the healthcare sector uh, to manage the entire operation related to, specifically to the hospital infrastructure. Like for example, not enough manpower is available, and of course, if you're doing touch-free and all those things in this pandemic era, this building automation is all the more important to focus on and implement in the hospital. So it'll be a little bit more of a capex intensive, but looking at the at the bright side, you know, the quality of the facility, uh, this is going to really be a, a game changer in future design of hospitals.
0: It's really nice and the touch-free building as you told correctly mentioned it's going to help a lot of people during the pandemics like this so mm-hmm. moving on to the next question what are all the challenges faced during constructing brownfield hospitals
1: yes um the existing structures integrity as well as the building code restrictions that's happening i at, at lately so the latest one are the most important handicap i would see in in in, in constructing a brownfield hospital. so as a promoter or doctor you have to make sure that you know these two uh critical points are taken care of and also expansion you know if there is any possible future expansion that should also be considered and other key thing mm-hmm. is the cost so basically the cost of uh, converting a brownfield, office to brownfield is expensive. And that too, if you are running your existing hospital, you are trying to convert that. And that is even more challenging because it's, it's a running facility, you're operating in, you're operating on the building on a daily basis. And maybe even if you're converting an existing floors or adding new addition to it, it has to be looked at the big picture. Basically a master plan for the entire facility once it's been built has to be considered in totality. So I would say these are the challenges, you know, once the promoter, you're aware of
0: it, I think it should be able to do it easily. So it looks like it have a lot of challenges and um, we should be very uh, keen in every aspect to construct a brownfield hospital. There's a two concept, like again a greenfield hospital. These days a uh, green hospital concepts are popping up. What is the real concept behind it? Can you share with us?
1: Yes, this is a very important point and in my opinion as an architect, uh, a green hospital is one of the best return on investment for the doctor and promoters. The reason is, unlike other project types, whether it's, a, it's a real estate, like for example apartments or hotels or whatever it is, the, the owner and the operator is one and the same for hospitals, mostly, where you know, let's say the doctor promoters, then it's a group practice, they're trying to build a hospital. They're going to build it and they're going to operate it. So this is where it's best to return on investment for going for green hospitals. And the cost of green hospitals, going green is nothing more than 5% or 10% than the final cost. But overall, when you look at the operational cost of the hospital, which is very high because, um, hospitals are energy guzzlers. They, they guzzle a lot or they just uh, consume a lot of energy, whether it's light, electricity, water, so it's all the more important. It has to be a green facility. Of course, you know uh, one of the best thing about green facility is daylight. So uh, low energy cost, and also there's something called evidence based design. Evidence based design helps you in, uh, of course, uh, the point that we discussed earlier, where the patient recover faster. The clinical outcomes are good. So evidence based design suggests that you know green hospitals are always helpful both to the doctors as well as the patients. It's one of the best options. In the healthcare
0: industry, so uh, it mainly focuses on the energy saving. Uh, so, how effective uh, uh, is the conversion of brownfield hospitals? Uh, during the pandemic, China was fast in constructing the hospitals, but in India, non-clinical buildings are being transformed into COVID boards, like a train, like a hotels. How effective was this conversion?
1: Uh, I think this this pandemic was uh, really a big uh, hammer for us, you know, uh, in India, uh, we have so much, 1.2 billion uh, population in India, and China being a communist country, you know, they already are far ahead in terms of infrastructure uh, compared to many other countries, and particularly the Chinese cities, and about the main cities where infrastructure is far ahead, and it's easy for them to build faster and quicker, uh, being uh, the type of government they are. And also, it's a manufacturing hub of the world. You know, they already have materials ready made, uh, that they can quickly assemble. Uh, whereas in India, it, it's a challenge, actually. Uh, in, in comparison, for example, in the US and other countries, developed nations, they converted convention centers, stadiums, and star hotels, where, uh, the specifications are pretty high. For example, for convention centers, uh, they had this huge, uh, COVID watch where the supply of the AC and the turn of the AC use the air, I would say it automatically happened because the, the, the MEP systems or the engineering systems that there in all these types of facilities are huge and they are able to convert it as quickly. Whereas in India we have the options of only hotels and schools or lodges, so where it's not effective enough to convert. So all we could do was only in India was only isolation ward. With no negative pressure room, which is very, very important. So, in, in OT, you have positive pressure. Whereas for COVID and all this pandemic, you know, we need to have, uh, COVID was to have a negative pressure, which is very expensive. It's an expensive proposition, which is very difficult. To print. And, for example, keep that in mind, if vaccine is found, all will be back to normal. But unfortunately, what happens is some of the fire acts happened when some of the lodges and small hotels were converted to temporary uh, covid wars where these lodges and small hotels not have quality uh, electrical systems or electrical wiring done and these are old facilities which cannot take the surge in electrical consumption when you're going to plug a couple of other ventilators some of the medical instruments and to a non-medical facility such as an old lot or a small hotel it's not going to take up those kind of uh, electrical surge so of course action is bound to happen So those are the challenges I think we face and of course we are doing better and, and this pandemic has taught, has taught lessons in healthcare infrastructure, which I am very, very positive that it's quite, it's crystal clear to me that we will be more ready with healthcare infrastructure for the next wave of any future pandemic. This is my take.
0: Uh, everyone wishes the same. So we should not face this many challenges next time a pandemic reaches us. So when the hotel has been converted into an hospital in Andhra recently, it, the electrical uh, smudge happened and the patients waited. Uh, how do you see this as an infrastructure? Or, I mean, as an architect.
1: Yes, as an artist, what happens, what we typically do is when we design a hospital, we take the entire uh, electrical load, for example. So, not only the building, for example, we take the load that's needed for the light. How many lights? If there is 10 lights. how much electricity is needed? And uh, if there is an AC, how much electricity is needed to run those ACs? So, we combine all those things together and come up with a total load of electrical requirements and also the surge capacity in case, you know, there might be some emergency and there might be some fibers or a few additional medical equipment that is plugged on to the entire system we also come for that so basically it's optimal optimally designed for any exigencies also that's the way we design that's the right way to approach as professional architect unfortunately when you're going and uh, looking for a quick fix or looking for a temporary arrangement these safety factors are not considered in those buildings because the, the use, as I as, I, as I mentioned earlier, the the type of use that the building has been built for is different. So for example, if it's a large or if it's a small hotel or whatever it is, and the quality of the electrical wiring that has been installed would be not up to the mark or up to the quality that is required for a hospital today. So, the, and of course we have more medical equipment now and uh, if you're going to add Plug in additional medical equipment. There is going to be a surge, and there is going to be a fire hazard at some point. So that's the biggest risk in converting uh, buildings which are not fit to be converted to a temporary hospital. That's my response.
0: That's really a nice answer. So yeah, we are done with our podcast. And uh, one last question to you: uh, Who is your inspirational person, and what is your favorite books? Can you share with us?
1: Uh, good to great. One of the best books I would say is Good to Great. Uh, it's one of the very good books that everybody has to read. Particularly, I would suggest I say this to all the doctors also. Whenever they are starting a new practice or whenever they are starting a new hospital uh, with their friends or their colleagues, uh, they need to uh, read these books and get inspired. Basically, it's inspiration. So uh, maybe five percent is respiration and ninety-five percent inspiration. So they need to read this book. So very, very important. I really like the book. I recommend that. And in terms of inspiration, of course, our uh, uh, rocket man, Abdul Kalam, is one of my biggest inspirations. So very, very humble person. But uh, his dreams were big. And and he's my inspiration.
0: Great, Shail. He's inspiration for all the youngsters, of course, and for all the people from India. So thank you so much for joining the Mitrish podcast today. It was really a great session, crisp and clear with all the information and thoughts.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rajna. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to speak in this podcast. I I take this opportunity to say a special thanks to MedReach
0: for doing such
1: a wonderful program. Very, very important and I'm sure many would benefit out of it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello listeners, if you have any doubt regarding this episode, follow the topic in our MedRish Knowledge Sharing Forum. Thank you for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the session. Keep gaining the knowledge with Healthcare Industry Expert by Medrich Podcast through Medrich Knowledge Sharing Forum. Until the next episode, take care.